and get you that tonight. Tonight's going to be one of those messages that there might be some in the room that say, Pastor, you are a complete liberal now. But that's not the case. I'm not a conservative. But this passage of Scripture, something you've got to realize in Christianity, if you need a handout tonight, slip your hand up. And then we're just going to dive into it and just go for it. We're just going for it. It's the beginning of the year. We'll just go for it and see where we get and see what Paul was trying to address in this passage. You realize tonight, and I want you to understand something as we get ready to dive in, the church of Jesus Christ, those who are saved, are ma- the, this church, the body of Christ in general, is made up of individuals that are at various stages in their Christian walk. There are some that have been Christians longer than I've been alive. They're further than some who've been Christians since last year. There's a broad spectrum in Christianity. There are people who are fully aware of the freedoms they have in Jesus Christ. There are also those who legalistically are bound to some of the rules that they want to have, and that's okay for them either way, which we'll look at here in a couple minutes. You have those, you have those that are too loose in their stand on things, and then you have those who want nothing to do. They don't even want to touch anything to do with the world. You have two different spectrums. Is it wrong to be on this side, and is it wrong to be on this side? We will look at the message tonight and see as we go. There are those who are loose in their stands or in their standards and convictions, but we'll look at someone on the other side who's super strict, and they'll judge them for being so strict on where they stand on their standards and convictions. You'll also have those that are really strict on their standards and convictions, Look at those who are not as strict as they are and say they can't be right with God because they don't have the same standards and convictions that I have. So you have a broad spectrum all around. Paul in these verses, as we dive into chapter 14, is trying to find balance. What are we missing in Christianity today? Balance. What are Baptist churches missing today? Balance. Jesus was full of grace and truth. It is possible to be balanced in these areas. It's tough, but there's a way to be balanced. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. How to treat someone who has stronger standards than you do. Or how to look at someone that doesn't have as high of a standard as you do. We'll talk about those tonight. The Bible, you've got to understand something. I want you to understand, there are some things that are non-negotiable. Okay? So let's say tonight, someone says Jesus is not the Son of God. There's no room to talk about that one. We believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, according to the Scriptures, that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God which came into this world to take away our sins. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There is no liberal or conservative view on that. There is no middle ground. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you are wrong. So that's a bold thing to say. I'll say it again. You are wrong. I can say that tonight. When we look at salvation, if someone says, well, I believe that you can get saved through a 
multitude of different ways, the way you live, all these different things, I would say, you're wrong. There is one name given among men whereby ye must be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. There is no other way there. So your baptism, your good works, and all those things, good for you, but you're wrong. That's not negotiable. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, you, you, you're not right. The Bible makes it clear you're wrong on that. I could go through a list of lots of other things. The Bible says thou sh it's not good that adultery is a sin, correct? Well, someone say it's just an affair, it's no big deal. No, you're wrong. Adultery is sin against God. It's wrong. And you might not like that, but that's the truth of the matter, okay? There are things that are non-negotiables. Like, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. It is God's Word. We believe it is true. We believe it's inerrant. We believe that it's inspired. We believe that it's preserved, and it's inspired because it's preserved. Be careful of that one. Sometime I'm going to do a sermon in the near future, and some of you are not going to like my sermon, but I'm going to preach it anyways. How did people get saved, and how did people know the, God's Word before the King James Bible came around? They had other Bibles. Sometimes we like to look at the KJV men and put them that they were inspired by God just like Paul and James were. They were not. They were men. We could go down that road later. I don't want to spark any controversy with anybody here tonight. There are non-negotiables. We believe that the church is a body of Christ-following believers. It's a called-out assembly out of this world. We believe that soul winning is important. Say, well, I don't believe soul winning is important. On that one, you're wrong. Because the Bible makes it clear that getting the gospel out is very important. You might say, well, I don't believe church attendance really matters. You're wrong because the Bible makes it clear that church does matter. But there are a multitude of areas that the Bible does not give you clear direction on. I'm going to name some, and please don't crucify me tonight or get mad at me as I say these things. People have all different stands in all different areas. Why is it that some Christians think it's okay to drink, and some Christians think it's not okay to drink? Let's be biblical here for a minute. The sin is drunkenness. The best way to avoid drunkenness is not to drink. You won't get drunk if you don't drink. But if someone has a drink, show me in the Bible where it's sin for them to have a drink. You can't. So you might have someone on this side that says it's okay to have a casual drink. And then you have someone over here that says, I'm not supposed to drink at all. I like the where, where you stand over here, but the Bible's not super clear there. The Bible command is not to get drunk. So how do you handle someone who thinks it's okay to drink a little and someone who says they shouldn't drink at all? How do you handle someone that looks at the Bible says that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? What is considered long hair? If it touches your ear, and there are people, there are Christians that argue over all these things. What is, you know, Jesus had long hair. You don't know if he did or not, okay? I hope you realize those pictures they have of Jesus, that's not what he really looked like. And if you really think that's what he looked like, I've got some land in Antarctica I want you to buy tonight, okay? And um, but when we look at that, what is, what is long hair? 
Is it okay to have be a little bushy in your hair? Where do you draw that line? You'll have someone on this side that says, I heard a sermon one time, Jesus had a tapered haircut. I doubt it, okay? I really doubt it. But I've heard someone literally preach that, and they preach against the sin of having a haircut, the square in the back. Can you find that in the Bible anywhere? You cannot. And then you got some longer-haired hippie over here that is all for the longer hair. Where do you draw the line? The Bible talks about modesty being important. So there's some Christians that say, if a lady doesn't wear a skirt past her knees, she's immodest and she's not godly. Then you have over here that that doesn't, that's not what that's talking about, and you have different opinions on both sides of the matter. And the Bible doesn't say you have to wear this one thing or this one thing. So who's right? Who's wrong? Someone says, I'm a vegetarian, not eat meat. Someone says, I am a carnivore, and I will not eat vegetables. Amen! Anyways, is it wrong to eat meat? No, the Bible says to kill and eat. That's Bible. Come on. Is it wrong not to eat meat? No. You have, someone doesn't like having Christmas trees in their house. Does the Bible say, and people, there's a verse that people use about not having Christmas trees. This is the thing. There are some people who want nothing to do with it. Then there are those on the other side that, you know, they have Santa sitting in their living room smoking a cigar. I don't even know. They have all these different things. So how do you treat those that have different opinions than you on different matters? How do you view them? How do you treat them? Because we have a tendency, my way's right. If you don't have the standards and convictions that I do, you cannot be right with God because you're not like me. And how do you treat one another? This is what Paul's talking about in this passage. The non-negotiables, they are not negotiable, okay? They are settled. Doctrine matters, and we will be talking about doctrine this year. But when we look at a lot, of, here's another one. There are Christians that say, do not go to a movie theater. There are Christians on the other side. When's the next Marvel movie out? I'm going to go see it. There's the broad spectrum of both. And on this side, they would say you're supposed to abstain from the appearance of evil because if you walk into a theater, you don't know what movie you're watching. And you have those on this side saying, well, you rent, uh, you rent a movie in Blockbuster before, and so what's the difference of running a movie in Blockbuster or getting going to the the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not go to a movie. Does it say that anywhere? But those are the things that Christians argue about. Now you say, where should I draw the line on those? Are you ready? Are you ready? Hold on to your seats for a second. God gave you something called the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And this is what the Bible says. Whatever you do not in faith is sin. So we could, let's just go down, let's go down the road for a second. Let's use an example. Let's use the movie house for an example. Someone in this room might say, God really convicted my heart about the staying from the appearance of evil, and I don't believe it's right to go to the movies. Praise God for your stand. There is nothing wrong with that stand. God tells you and convicts you that that's what you're supposed to do, and you go against what God's told you to do, it is sin in your life. 
But just because God tells you and convicts you of something doesn't mean you have to let the whole world stand where you stand or they're not right with God. Because each of us have a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit inside of us tells us what we should and should not do. That's where pastors, especially Baptist pastors, get in a lot of trouble. Because we want our people to have the same standards and convictions that we have. But you are not me. You're not going to have the same standards and convictions that I have. And it's not my job, and you've got to be very careful, it's not my job to teach you my standards and my preferences. A lot of churches get in trouble with that. You don't need my preferences. You need what God's Word says. That's important. Where you draw the line. It's not my job to be the Holy Spirit and tell you where to draw your line. It's your job to be in God's Word and find a place to stand. And if you don't want to do the work yourself and you want to stand where I do, then go ahead. But I would suggest you do the work and you figure it out for yourself. How do we handle those that have higher standards than us and convictions? And how do we handle those that have lower standards and convictions than us? Let's start reading. Verse number one. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Now, this is the Bible saying this. Look at this. This isn't me. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Isn't there a lesson there? You need meat to be strong. Am I wrong? He that, that, this is under inspiration. This was given to Paul. This is not me. This is the Bible here. It says, he who is weak eateth herbs. You see that there. Verse 3. Let not him that despiseth him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord. For he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and living. Why? But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. As we look at these verses, help us apply them to our hearts and our lives. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name, I pray. 
Amen. Number one, as we dive in tonight, we see we are to avoid foolish judgment. We are to avoid foolish judgment. What do these verses tell us? What can we learn from this passage of Scripture tonight? We see letter A in verse number two. We're commanded to recognize our Christian brother or Christian sister. You get what I'm saying. Bible says, verse 2, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Paul speaking of a situation that had risen up in the early church here. There were Gentiles who had been saved out of extreme paganism. And these people turned their backs on idolatry, and they didn't want to go anywhere near that lifestyle that they had came away from. On the other hand, you had in this church, you had Jews that um, in the early church that had been shown through the gospel that they were at liberty to eat meat and things of that nature. And so you got to understand something. That one of the things that came up here was the fact of meat that was offered to idols. It was sold a little cheaper. The Gentiles wanted nothing to do with it because that came from the life where they lived. The Jewish believer realized in the Lord they were set free to eat and no pagan god ever ate any of that meat sitting out there. I know you see today, sometimes you have these statues of Buddha and different things, and you have the half-empty bottle of Pepsi out there or different things. Buddha didn't really drink it. I hope you realize that tonight. doesn't work that way. But as we look here and we look at these things, you got to understand something. They knew the idols weren't real and that the meat was just meat, but to those Gentiles, that meat was a big deal to them, and they wanted nothing to do with it. And as you look, you could look even more at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through chapter number 10. And as we look at these things, we look and the focus of these verses is the weaker brother. That one who is more easily offended practices of others. We are commanded by God in this passage to look around and understand something that not everyone is going to think the same way you think. And not everyone's going to have the same stand or convictions or standards you might have. Not everyone's going to agree with your stand on something or your lack of a stand. But that's okay. Letter B. We're cautioned to receive our Christian brother. The Bible says in verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Some people would like to shun believers that are weak in the faith. Well, they're going to they're gonna ruin me. I'm not... No, if you're a, hey, if you're a strong Christian, if you're a strong Christian, you should be able to help someone who's weak. And that's how it's supposed to happen. That's God's calling card. That's what he wants in a church. But sometimes we got the opposite where the stronger brother's like, no, I want nothing to do with you. How are you going to get someone stronger that's weak? You need to get them around someone who can help them. Got to be careful, but see this here before our eyes. You say, well, why is this? You, as we look at these things, a weaker brother never comes to the realization of the liberty they have in Jesus Christ. They need to see that. As we look at this here, sometimes some younger, those, those that are weaker in the faith, get so afraid of getting dirty and different things that they do in their lives, they put so many restrictions on things, they don't realize the freedom they have in Jesus Christ. 
You are free in Christ tonight. I hope you realize that. There are many of my Baptist brethren that are more tied down to all their legalistic rituals and things that they have. You're free in Christ tonight. That doesn't mean you're free to live your life and to do as you please, but we're free tonight. And we need to receive those that are weaker to help them. And Paul's thought here is that we are not to turn the weaker brother away from the fellowship, but we need to help them along the way. Letter C. We're challenged to respect our Christian brother. If we're not careful, and this happens more often than not, you can, because you have a different stand than someone, you can put a wedge between you and them and totally isolate yourself from them. Look at verse 3 and 4 there. It says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not receive him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servants? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Be different driving edge between us. I'll just give you an example without diving too deep into it. There are pastor friends of mine that I was very near and dear to that because I take a different stand on certain things on the Bible than where they stand they have nothing to do with me today I can respect our differences but to them they can't and they break fellowship there are people that are very near and dear to my heart that I really look up to and admire and been a big influence in my life that I was looking the other day, it's been four years since they've really even had a conversation with me. We're challenged in this passage, not everyone has to be just like you. Not everyone has to dot their I the same way you dot it, or cross their T just like you. you got to understand, there are things worth standing up for and doctrines worth fighting for. We talked about those. But you got to understand there are some things that are nothing more than personal opinions. And these things should never hinder us from respecting one another and where we stand. There's a couple things that Paul gives us here in this passage to help us in this area. The first one is this, number one, we're, we are to respect his principles. Whether a professing believer agrees with us or not is not the issue. Whether convictions they have concerning certain life activities, th those things, that's not what matters here. You may never agree with them on this principle or the way it's supposed to be. And as we think of these things and then you look at them, I am not to, you look at that verse there in verse 3 and 4. It says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. That phrase says, I may not agree with someone or see it their way, but I'm not to to despise them. That is to say he is of no account to hold a lower opinion of someone because their principle is different than the principle I have in my life. You know, I may not agree with someone, but I still am to respect them and give them room to grow in their life as God leads them in their life. We're to respect their principles. Letter or Number two, we're to respect their position. The whole idea, verse number four, look at verse number four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he will standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. 
And when we look at this, the whole idea of this verse is this. None of us are God. You are not God. Hey, guess what? I'm a pastor, but I am not God. I am not God's end all on everything I say. Neither are you. But when we think about that, we didn't save that brother or sister in Christ. We didn't keep them saved. We didn't lead them. It is not up to anyone to answer to you or I where they stand in the Bible. They have one master. They have one judge. His name is Jesus Christ. They answer to him, not to you and I. So regardless of what you think of someone's stand or conviction in their life, ultimately, it, they are not accountable to you or to me on where they stand. They are accountable to God. That's what we see. There are areas as a pastor that a pastor is accountable for. You bring wrong doctrine into the church, the pastor will crush that. He should. That's my job. It's my job to stand for correct doctrine and to stand on certain things. But if you think a skirt length to the knee or one inch above the knee and you're going to argue about that, you can figure that out for yourselves and decide and be fully persuaded in your own mind where it should be. And that's where I've had in our church. A girl just gets saved and starts coming to church. And I remember it was a few years ago, this girl wore the shortest pair of shorts I think I've ever seen in the church. I had someone come up to me and say, Pastor, you need to tell that girl to respect God's house and to put on better clothes. I shouldn't have to look at that. I said, number one, you should keep your eyes off and keep your head up and you'd be just fine. Number two, it's not your place to judge someone else. They just came to church today. And in fact, I believe they got saved that day. Let them grow. That's hard for some Christians. But that's how it's supposed to be. They have something called the Holy Spirit. You will convict them. It's amazing how that works. We're to respect their position. Let's go to number two tonight. Number two, we are to aspire to faithful judgment. We look at these things and we think about them and dive deeper tonight into it. And um, <clears throat> we see, number one tonight, that we're to avoid foolish judgment, but number two, we're to aspire to faithful judgment. In what matters? Letter A, in the matter of convictions. Verse number five. The Bible tells us in verse five, it says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And in this area, Paul turns his, his message or his attention to matters of worship days and holy days. Some people thought that the Sabbath, Saturday, was the day that it needed to be done. There are others who wanted it each and every day. And Paul says, whatever day you decide it should be, if it should be all week, if it should be...
I use the mic. Is the, I'm using the red one. So I'm using the mic so those online can hear. And some of them online really need this message tonight. So if you're listening online, you really need this message tonight. And I'll tell you this, if you were just in church, you wouldn't have to worry if the mic worked or not. Just remember that. But it's okay. Maybe, maybe you're fully persuaded in your own mind tonight that you need to stay home. So if that's the case, I don't want to go against your conviction. I'm not God in your life, but you can figure that out there for yourself. All right, so let's continue on. Thanks for messing me up, Joe. I do not remember where I was. So where are we at on time? Oh, it's almost 7. We're going to start over. Go back to Romans chapter number 14. And uh, wow, we're, we're running out of time, though. We're literally not even, we're about halfway through. So I mentioned in the matter of separation. And so as we look at separation, we think about that consecration, separation, same thing. And so you need to ask yourself, these are some questions that you need to ask yourself. When it comes to things that you do, this might be a good idea to write some of these down. Is this something, is this something I can do to honor God? Does this honor God? Or does my action dishonor God? Can I do this action with a clear conscience before God? Does it even contain the slightest hint of wrong or evil to do? Can I really say that this glorifies God? Because everything that we do should be to the glory of God, correct? So in the if the spirit of that cannot be contained or reached, you might be wrong for doing those things. We see as we look at, we're to aspire to faithful judgment, we see in the matter of convictions, we see in the matter of separation, let us see in the matter of consequences. The matter of consequences, we look at verse number 7 through 9. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live or whether, so for whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Regardless of if you're a weak Christian or a strong Christian, at the end of the day, there are consequences for the choices we make in life. No one in this room lives to themselves. The choices and decisions you make in your life matter to more people than just yourself tonight. As we look at this thing in the matter of consequences, we think of letter or number one, and I'm just going to end with these two tonight and we'll go no further tonight. But number one, we think in the earthly realm. And this is the idea. No one is on an island to themselves tonight. People are watching you. By, and think about this tonight, by the way you live, are you doing anything that hinders someone in their walk with God? If so, you shouldn't do it. You don't live to yourself. And I've had people say, well, you know, my background, and I don't, I don't like going deep into my background, but my background growing up was that if a, wo a woman wore a pair of pants, she was ungodly. I'm just saying my background. I don't believe that. Caroline wears pants now. When we first started the church, she did not. We had a different stand in that area. It was different. 
so then you get this question, well, if I, if someone who's a strong Christian sees me wearing a pair of pants, am I helping them slide in their walk with God? No, because if they hold that high of a standard, they need to follow that for themselves. And if they're a strong enough Christian, what you do is not going to hinder them from doing what they need to do. The question, when you look at this, we're talking about biblical things. If someone has a higher standard and they can't handle you having a different standard than what they do, they have to get themselves right and quit being the weaker Christian. Because my Christianity is not based on what someone else does. My Christianity is based on what God tells me to do, not someone else. But then there's other areas you could look at. So let me give you an example. Let's say there's someone in this room and you think it is okay to have a drink every once in a while. We mentioned that earlier. But you also have a fellow brother or sister in your church that you know in the past had a problem with alcohol. It is wrong for you to have them in your house and to drink with them right there because you are hindering them and you're bringing them down spiritually by doing that. If you want to do it yourself, you do it yourself and that's your decision where you live. But if there's someone who struggles in that area, you're not supposed to bring them down into your area. Does that make sense? It might sound like I'm talking out of both ends of my mouth at the same time, and I kind of am through there. But I think you get what I'm trying to say. We got to be very careful in these things. I don't need to, I need to have a, I got to watch out for my fellow brothers and sisters. I need to be careful. Like there could, you could look at so many different things, so many different areas. You got to be careful in those things. Like in all reality, you invite me to your house, you should not have Dr. Pepper when I'm there, okay? That's where I was going with all of that. And I'm just teasing when I say that. But, um, in the earthly realm of things. You understand there are certain things that are perfectly lawful for you and I to do, but it could hinder someone else in their walk, and I suggest that you be careful what you, and you say, well, then that's being one thing in one place and being one thing in a different place. No, 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 no. It's called loving your brother. That's what it's called. It's called having enough respect for a fellow brother or sister in Christ to help them when you're with them. That's what that is. That's not being hypocritical. We go deeper on that, but we're going to end with that there. And that's what love is all about. There are things that are lawful for me, but for the sake of the brethren, I refrain from these things. And the Bible is very clear about that. That's what God would have for us. Then we see not only in the earthly realm, but also in the eternal realm. Well, the spiritual growth in life of our brother is important. May I just give you this as we close tonight? There is something that outweighs your fellow brother and sister in Christ or anything else. It is you're supposed to please God by the way you live. It matters most. We belong to him. He is our master. And as such, we have no rights over how we should live our lives. We should be living our lives in a way that pleases him. And that's very important. If we live lives that honor him, it will take care of your brothers and sisters in the Lord as well. Why the, what's the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then it's to love your neighbor as yourself. You will never love your neighbor if you don't love God. If you don't honor God and respect God, you'll never honor and respect your neighbor. It begins with God and it follows through. We only got through point number two. We'll carry on next week with the rest of it and go a little deeper. But 